As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hey folks, welcome into On to Waveland, presented by Tops. Check out Tops Project 70, celebrating 70 years of Tops baseball cards. I am Brett Taylor, joined by Patrick Mooney and Sahadev Sharma, here to talk Cubs and former Cubs on On to Waveland. It's the uh, Cubs podcast here at The Athletic. And as my little teaser there alludes, the perhaps biggest story and i mean i don't want to be so bold and say the entire sporting world because maybe we're in a little bit of a baseball bubble but boy it got a lot of attention and justifiably so and uh who's going to give me the thumbs down for, for this <laughs> this discussion so we're, we we got to talk about um i don't know who wants to set it up I, i'm curious because i know how i would set up like sort of the background and the story and stuff but i kind of want one of you guys to do it because i'm curious how you frame the discussion and then i want to react to it well, someone, someone explain what we're talking about. So, uh, what, the last two, three weeks now, the the Mets, whenever they have a reason to celebrate, uh, you know, which is basically any hit, uh, that's how the, the teams always come up with those random celebrations when they get on base. Uh, they've been doing a thumbs down action, uh, and, and it turns out uh, that someone was finally asked, Javi Baez was finally asked about it uh, a couple days ago, and it turns out that that's their response to being booed. They've been booed, and now they're giving it back to the Mets fans, booing them for when they do something well. Uh, and, and Javi, there were, I believe I saw the whole, that whole section of the the post game, I believe it was, and, and he was asked a few follow-ups. Uh, yes, it's, it, it sounds like he came up with it according to the follow-ups that I saw. And, and it's kind of, he, he talked about how, uh, he doesn't like being booed. It, it puts him in a bad frame of mind essentially. And, and that, and, and it led to this, this plan to boo the fans back with that sign, which, uh, I mean, I'll initially react to it and like, listen, I, I, I get frustrated by fans. I uh, fan reaction to things. Fan uh, the way fans talk about players. Sometimes I feel is a little harsh. But I also get 
that fans have a different perspective than media and and sometimes you just get so passionate about things so i'm not going to tell fans how to fan and i think booing is acceptable even though i'm not a huge proponent of booing uh so my initial reaction was like okay fine whatever javi javi and the mets want to give it back to the fans in some way but really like that that should not come out that that that's the ultimate response for me like i have javi knows better than to say that to the media and get that out there they want to do their thing come up with a reason come up with something else with the when when the media asks about it or just say you know that's our little personal thing we're going to keep that in house it wouldn't be the first time that that's happened uh, but Javi obviously wanted to kind of vent there in, in his own way. He, he didn't sound angry or anything. It was kind of typical Javi, the way he talks to the media. But I am a little surprised that he came out with it. Uh, but sometimes Javi's uh, honest to his own detriment. I mean, this is what happens when the Cubs leave their protective bubble. I think John Greenberg <laughs> had a good tweet of like, you know, wear our obvious shirts saying how great we are all the time. And I thought that was kind of funny because it is the culture that the Cubs created. And it was, in a lot of ways, great. Uh, I think the Cubs got, you know, an absolute best case scenario when they drafted Javier Baez. But, you know, I, I think, you know, this is kind of the jarring part of as these guys leave Wrigley and you know the fans are demanding and it's a passionate market but you know it is different in a lot of ways and that you know Javi through his own hard work and personality engendered a ton of goodwill uh deservedly so but once you kind of leave here and go to a place where like your image isn't on like all these billboards around the stadium and you know seemingly every third person in the crowd isn't wearing your jersey and like they don't remember where they were when the Cubs won the 2016 World Series it's like yeah this is kind of uh the reality that you have to deal with and Javi as Sahadev said is pretty honest but the Cubs also never really like forced him to do a lot of media stuff like he was a guy who kind of you know showed up did his own routine you know, wasn't always at his locker back when we could um, have access to players in the clubhouse. And, you know, I like the fact that he was just honest. I mean, he was picking a really dumb battle, like <laughs> in New York uh, against Mets fans who are, you know, give them this, are super passionate and, you know, are knowledgeable and know a lot about their team. And, you know, I don't think it was this, like, crime against baseball like we're gonna i mean the mets are gonna do something else dumb in a couple of days and we're all gonna basically <laughs> forget about this i mean brett you pulled out on bleacher nation pulled out the whole raccoon possum thing if you could explain that one but like something else lol mets is gonna happen javi will probably come back to the cubs it'll be this like very random footnote it's really francisco Lindor's problem because he's there for the next whatever 10 years yeah, I um, that's a good summation of everything there, and I I'm, I appreciate you mentioning Lindor at the end there because not only is he the one who's going to have to wear this for longer, um, it's also we haven't really heard from him yet, and it wasn't like Javi was throwing anyone else under the bus saying, "Hey, you know, we're all doing this." He was just answering the question about what is this, 
you know, sign mean that he and uh, video has showed Lindor doing it, Kevin Pillar doing it. Um, and uh, so, you know, for whatever it's worth, my reactions to it, a little more, little more homery fan protective of Javi Baez, you know, <laughs> admittedly. Um, and I can't say that my reaction isn't totally colored by that perspective. Like maybe if this were happening with another player who had just come to the Cubs in a trade and they were then suffering through just, you know, a hellacious period of losing, maybe I would be more frustrated and yada, yada, yada. You know, first of all, I thought it was hilarious. And and that's because we're at a distance <laughs> now. So like, it's rare that I get to just sort of laugh about a situation that has a tethered connection to the Cubs, but that doesn't affect the Cubs in any way. I'm not going to get in any trouble for saying the wrong thing. I'm not going to get yelled at by anyone because I'm making jokes all night long about raccoons and about uh, uh, Mr. Met flicking off uh, the fans and all these things. Uh, so I, I really enjoyed it from that perspective. I thought, like you guys, I was surprised he admitted to it publicly I thought the Mets organizational reaction to it was oh, yeah. completely unnecessary. So, you know, they they issue a statement from team president Sandy Alderson that was like the most obsequious. We love the fans. We would never do anything to hurt the fans. How dare our players say anything that would offend our intelligent, thoughtful, kind fan base. I'm oh, give me a break. The very fan base that's doing the booing, you think they're going to be placated by this statement? Are you crazy? Get out of here. And then Steve Cohen, he, he gave a statement to the Post. It was basically the same kind of thing, except dropping in a third rail reference. Where like, come on, most of us are like doing the Googling. What does he mean? Third from third rail? Oh, oh. Uh, I thought that was just, it's ridiculous. Same guy who's tweeting out criticisms of his own players two weeks ago. Not so not so unclearly referencing Javi Baez in that stuff. And it's like, geez, way to just turn a situation that didn't have to be much more than, ah, he shouldn't have said anything into a three day, you know, lull fest. Uh, so I do appreciate, you know, thanks by the way for doing that because it, it definitely <laughs> gave me some stuff to, to work with. Um, ultimately, I think we can say more about that if we want. Uh, I would, I would say, I appreciated the humanness in it. Um, I appreciated the directness in the response. And I think probably lots of teams and players have made little private moment jabs at the fans. I'm sure they've been pissed off before too. And um, just Tavi was the one who said it out loud. So like, take it easy. Fans that are out there booing like crazy, they can take it. They, just like we say <laughs> the players can take it. The fans can take a little thumbs down. Okay, it's it's not going to hurt you. It's not going to bite you. Um, so uh, there, that's that's Brick, that on that. I think I think you kind of nailed it when you said like you you're going to be a homer on this, and and you know if it was a new guy coming into town in Chicago, you'd re you may react differently. The Mets don't. The Mets fans don't have the history with Javi. I mean. Javi is a hero for the Cubs for most Cubs fans, right? Like he, 2016, he he. NLCS MVP, co-MVP, had a huge NLDS, a big homer in Game 7. Uh, he's a huge part of Cubs fans' history and, and what, uh, you know, the success, the recent success 
and they have a history with him. They've, they've seen so much good from him. Uh, they take they understand the good and the bad. I, I find it really funny that people are all of a sudden figuring out that Javi Baez strikes out a lot and he doesn't walk much. Like I'm seeing all these tweets like this is breaking news. Yeah, thank you. What did what did Mets people? Did they not look at what he does? Do they not know what who Javier Baez is and what where he brings value? Like that boggles my mind when when I see people suddenly bringing this stuff up. Like it's like, did you know Javi Baez chases pitches and sometimes looks really bad when he swings? Wow, it's like New York. It's, something comes to New York and now it's new and it's actually happened. Until it comes to New York, it doesn't actually happen in real life. Like well, that, in fairness, that's bothered. So that's annoyed me. Yeah. Previously, it was it was happening in the tiny little hamlet of Chicago, <laughs> right? Where very few people have seen any of this stuff occurring. <laughs> I mean, we know who Javier Baez is. Like, come on, just just like take the good with the bad and understand how he provides value and how he doesn't. Reading between the lines here, I do wonder just kind of what's going on with Javi. Like when David Ross pulled him from that game for that uh, base running gaff, whatever it was, forgetting how many outs there were. Um, Ross seemed to kind of allude to it that it wasn't just that moment. It was kind of a culmination or at least a manager wouldn't just do that for a one-off and he... Javi had a similar mistake, I believe, with the Mets the other day. And just, I don't know, having known Javi for a while and talked to, like, Sahadev, a lot of people who've worked with him over the years. I mean, there's one thing about Javi Maez. It was that he does not care at all what you think about him. That has been his day-to-day default setting. I think a former teammate called it, you know, Javi is unapologetically Javi himself all of the time. And for the vast majority of that time, that is an amazing, great skill to have a base as a baseball player because the game, there's so much failure baked into that. And, you know, I'm not surprised that he was honest because he's someone who says what he thinks and that is much appreciated. But I'm kind of surprised that it it really bothers him that much. and, And I'm not trying to absolve him from it or blame other players or blame the Mets culture. But that was kind of out of character for him. And then just. My final thought, I I have no problem with kids in the clubhouse. I think it's great that, um, you know, at least pre-COVID, you know, players and coaches who travel all the time and have, you know, very absurd demands on their time and have to spend a lot of time away from home. I think it's great that kids can do that, you know, whether it was like Brandon Hyde's kid, you know, playing catch with Rizzo. Awesome. Do that all the time. Just don't bring your kids into the interview room. Hopefully, Zooms go away at some point. But it's just not – that did not sit well with me because when you say something like that, like that's just there forever. It's Javi and his son. And I – I, if I was, you know, the media relations director or, you know, someone in there, I'd be like, like, dude, just leave your kids off this. You know, it's five minutes. They can go wherever they want, whenever they want the rest of the time but you know just kind of own that yourself that would be my kind of inside journalism uh point then we wouldn't have those just great moments of like what wasn't there like a steph uh curry thing with his kid being hilarious yeah steph curry but it's usually more i think sully referenced you know dusty baker used to do that a lot too it just doesn't 
Well, what you don't want is you don't want it to be there. You, Go you viral don't want... for the wrong reason and your kid's sitting there. Yeah, well, and you don't want it to be like where it's as if you're offering your kid as a shield, right? Like where it's like, hey, oh, I got my kid with me. You know, it's I, so I, I do get that. I, I got to bring mine in here with me on the podcast <laughs> sometimes. So that I got an excuse. Like, oh, I, hey, hey, guys, take it easy. I got my kid with me. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, so uh, I want to stick with the hobby stuff just for a moment, less the thumbs down part of it, but that now some of the more uh, Cubs adjacent things and market stuff. Uh, I believe I believe it was Buster Olney that tweeted this, but there were other folks that sort of offered this sentiment, uh, questioning to what extent Baez's remarks on this would impact his upcoming free agency. I'll let you guys respond to that because I'm going to guess we're all three on the same page about that. But I want to add to that a note that as I think about, and I'm not playing armchair psychologist, I'm not making any claims, I'm just noting this fact that, you know, we know that Javi and the Cubs were getting close, close might be the wrong word, they were on the path toward an extension perhaps before the pandemic hit. Uh, It was probably going to be for a substantial sum of money. There were multiple reports from multiple different outlets to that effect. Uh, Then the pandemic hits. And then the pandemic season happens and there are struggles. And now this season happens and, you know, Javi's not performing as the guy he was two years ago. Still a lot of value there. We'll talk about what that looks like, what the shape is with a guy like Javi, but it's not what he was two, three years ago. And so I always wonder, without making any claims, to what extent a guy who's now been traded sort of is an opportunity to kind of change the story of the season. It didn't go well right away. He was dealing with the back issue again that's got to get in your head that like I'm approaching my first free agency. Damn it. I had this huge opportunity that was so close. It wasn't able to lock it down. Now what's going to happen. People are talking about how I might have to sign a one year. I just, how could that not get in your head? I just don't know how it couldn't. And I think that that is another, that, that to me is a more compelling element of this renewed focus on Javi Baez and his market than about this thumb down, thumbs down bullshit. I, I don't really see. Well, I'll leave that to you guys to, to remark on this situation as it relates to Javi's impending free agency. Yeah, I, I mean, I would say the thumbs down stuff only impacts his ability to re-sign with the Mets. It, like, it's probably annoyed Steve Cohen, and he probably, you know, is ready to say, like, after this season, we'll move on, and, and you know, you can find another home. I, I'd be surprised if, if the Mets are going to, you know, 
give him a big multi-year contract. I, I assume they're they're going in another direction, and Cohen will spend his money elsewhere. But uh, I don't see how that impacts him really in other places, especially with the Cubs. They know him; they have a history with him. Uh, I, I think the bottom line is are the numbers. If he was performing right now and saying, you know, I'm booing the fans, the fans would be like, well, we haven't booed you because you have a you know 140 weighted runs created plus with us, but he has a 92 weighted runs created plus with them. So so they're going to boo him. And he made he's made some big base running errors, and they've seen and they're finally seen with their eyes how he does sometimes look bad and at bad. That's just who Javi is. And then the next at bat, he'll hit a 450 foot home oh, run. That's just I forgot. I have to remark. Uh, did you see the video of the swing and miss? The it was made the rounds. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it was a little hilarious. It was. <laughs> like, it was yeah, I go, felt bad. Go fi- because I was yeah, just like, folks, wow. Have, yeah. After after you listen to this, if you haven't seen it, go find. It. You'll see it. Just do. Just type in like Javi swing and miss, and it was. It was not helped by the angle and the slow motion that was added to it, but it was perhaps <laughs> the most egregious missed swing I've ever seen from a professional batter. Uh, it's just Javi sometimes. It was straight up like guessing, I, like from what it looked like. If I'm remembering how it looked, it was like straight up guessing fastball, right? And it was breaking oh, yeah. ball, yeah, like uh, guessing a hundred mile an hour fastball, yeah. and he got like a sixty five mile an hour change. <laughs> yeah, it was rough. Uh, but no, his I, I don't think his market is going to be dictated by his performance on the field. Like one silly comment, this isn't a makeup issue. There, I've seen comments about people like this guy doesn't work out or work hard or he's a club bad clubhouse guy. That stuff's not true. I've never like how like what what Patrick said about like hobby is hobby and he'll be himself. Like that isn't uh, I at least the way I've taken it is like that isn't like p- people ripping on hobby. That's just like. Javi, things brush off of Javi quickly. He's able to quickly like bounce back from anything negative and, and go out the next day and perform or the next at bat or the next inning. Like that's who he is. It, like, and it's a rare personality. It's a personality you need to succeed in this game. So, uh, I, I, I don't see it impacting his, his market. I do think that, uh, we've talked about this a lot. The Cubs are going to be searching for undervalued players that slip through the cracks. One year deals, uh, you know, those are the short term deals. Don't look for the six, seven year deal this offseason and don't also just let them off the hook and say that they can't spend. It's going to be a middle ground here. They're they're going to spend and they're going to be looking for these types of deals. Hobby looks primed to be a guy that lasts too long in the market, ends up taking a one year deal to try try and rebuild a value. I'm not saying that it will happen with the Cubs, but it it makes sense. It, it certainly makes sense. Uh, they they have a relationship. He knows he can succeed here. He knows who he can work with. I, I haven't, you know, I, I don't know for sure if they just want to move on from that type of swing and miss and that type of chase and, and just put together a different offense. Uh, but, you know, this elite defender, great base runner, uh, works well with David Ross. It, obviously, there's a it makes sense to a certain degree if it's going to come at a one year deal and he's looking to build his value back up. Yeah, I mean, the Mets are so concerned about their fans' feelings that they were in on Trevor Bauer until the last minute this offseason, and that's setting aside Bauer's current legal crisis. It would be his just repeated pattern uh, on social media and how he treated people who didn't um, agree with him or kind of look and act like him. So... Uh, I think the Steve Cohen tweet was something we wrote about uh, a couple of weeks ago where I was like, all right, this guy's not going to, this owner's not going to be pounding the table for Javi 
it was probably already a long shot because of Lindor's contract, but you think maybe New York brings out the best in Javi. He loves playing with Lindor. Uh, That's kind of (laughs) out the window at at this point, but uh, there's no doubt that uh, Chicago would be a soft landing spot. It's what we talked about, I think, just a couple days ago on the last episode before all this broke, whether it was Story or a a Marcus Simeon type deal that, you know, Chicago and the Cubs helped Javi earn seven figures through endorsement and marketing opportunities. Now, that's not going to make up what we think they were talking about before the pandemic, but it's not insubstantial either in terms of trying to make him somewhat whole and giving him a platform to where, you know, he could play 150 games and uh, play shortstop. And, And I think the Cubs would probably recognize that this might be a somewhat humbled version of Javi and that it did not go unnoticed last year during the pandemic when there was nothing else going on and the Cubs had all night games and they were absolutely drilling down on their defensive fundamentals. They won a team gold glove and Javi won a gold glove and something has been you know kind of off. I haven't checked his errors recently, but they were, I think about 20 by the time they traded him. And it was really kind of out of character uh, for Javi. So I think, you know, Chicago is probably an ideal place to rebuild it and maybe even stay. And maybe we just have to recalibrate. It's not, you know, Javi like global superstar, but Javi has a really valuable player in a lot of different ways, just surrounded with different players who might, cover for some of his weaknesses uh, a little better. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruits and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruits and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. Okay, not entirely leaving Javi Baez because he will attend to this conversation. Uh, oh, by the way, if the Cubs do want to do like a you know pillow contract for him, if that works for everybody, not eligible for a qualifying offer because of the midseason trade. So that's a nice bonus for a team that almost certainly is not going to want to part with draft picks if they don't have to uh, this offseason on short-term deals particularly because that second rounder, which is what they would lose, is going to be a very high second rounder. Uh, that's a tease. I got, a, I got an article. I'll be writing about that one at Bleacher Nation. Um, okay, so left side of the infield. Let's imagine a world where the Cubs do re-up with Javi short term. Are you any more or less comfortable with the idea that the third baseman in that situation then might be Patrick Wisdom? And you're talking about two of your eight regular positional guys being the 
I'm the capital V, the two most extreme swing and miss guys in baseball this year. Like literally one and two. Are you, does that give you any pause or is it like, eh, it's two guys and everyone else can be contact oriented well, except Wilson. But you know, like I, I just, I question if it, I don't know. Can you have two guys like that in your lineup and it's not this this serious hurdle to overcome, self-imposed hurdle to overcome? Yeah, I mean, immediately once I knew we were going to start talking about this and then we were just talking about Javi and the swing and miss, I'm like, wait a minute. If we're going to talk about wisdom and Javi on the left side of the infield, I'm not so sure that that, that works. Uh, that's, you know, that's a lot of strikeouts between those two guys. I know a lot of power and good defense. Uh, it, it makes it significantly tougher to swallow. Uh, I do think uh, just on wisdom. Yeah. He's, I mean, it's hard not to notice what he's doing. It's hard not to wonder what, you know, what he is, uh, beyond this season. He's clearly taken this opportunity and run with it. This isn't, uh, this isn't Schwindel or even Ortega. Uh, Ortega's kind of hit a lull, right? And and uh, Schwindel is just like what we're three weeks now, a month, I guess. Sorry, it's a the mo- time is flying, I guess. But yeah, it's been a full month for Schwindel. I mean, that's it's great to see those guys succeed. But this is three months, still not a ton of time, right? I mean, Kosuke Fukudome basically did three months uh, of of performing at an all star level. And then kind of fell off. The league can still adjust. I mean, September isn't going to tell us too much outside of a collapse, right? So I I don't want to. I don't like jumping all in on guys like this. He's he's thirty already. I, you can say that next year is his age thirty season, but uh, he's done enough, barring a collapse in September, to to say like they're going to give him a chance, right? In some position, you don't. I don't think you can go into next year, go into the offseason saying this guy has this position locked down, right? Uh, but you can say Patrick Wisdom looks like he's likely part of our 26-man roster outside of something crazy happening where someone says like, hey, we're going to give you a prospect, really nice prospect that you like for for Patrick Wisdom or something like that, right? Outside of anything weird happening, I just think, yeah, he's locked down a spot on the roster. What that role is, what he does... I, I don't think you can define that now, nor should they. They they shouldn't be doing things like that. They're they have way too many holes on the roster and and you don't want to close off an avenue to improve the team in any in any way. So so you have to be creative, you have to be thinking outside the box. But Patrick Wisdom, I, I'm impressed with what he does. I expected it to cool down. Uh, it does at times, but he seems to bounce back. Uh, he has a great attitude, seems to work his butt off. He has the pedigree. We, we, I mean, we all know this. He was a first-round pick or a supplemental first-round pick, I believe. Uh, it's just taken some time. This happens. Uh, you'd, you'd love it if he was four years younger, but this is his reality, and, and I think, you know, ride it as long as you can. Yeah, I think what we're talking about here is not like handing them the keys to the kingdom like Javi you're not signing up for the next 10 years to make Javi the face of your franchise and like your number three hitter like maybe Javi's more of like a seven hitter and you know kind of a you'd be wanting him at shortstop but you know the way he roved around it was kind of uh this hybrid player for the Cubs at the beginning of his career was really 
interesting too and you know with wisdom you have nothing to lose i mean what's he going to make like six hundred thousand dollars next year and that to your point it's not penciling him as the third baseman for the next five years and like giving him a david Bodie extension it's maybe you sign a guy like chris taylor who can move around and maybe nico is also kind of a super utility type and not a guy that you're penciling in at shortstop when he's had so much trouble staying healthy and staying on the field for so long. So I don't, I think it's really hard to ignore wisdom. I mean, just looking what he's done, I mean, putting up home runs and watching him day to day, he's way more athletic than you'd think, you know, as David Ross said, he's not some one dimensional guy and he's not like a, like side of saying, he's not some 20th round pick. I mean, when the Cardinals pick you that high, you usually wind up having a pretty good career. So I I don't see the – I think with all of these guys, it's what else are they going to do? How are they going to surround them? And whether or not they can find good pitchers, is that's kind of what it comes down to me too. Like they, you know, those guys can put up some numbers and be valuable in different ways even if they're striking out a ton. But if the Cubs don't fix, fix the pitching, like there's really no point. You know, it's – We'll see you at the trade deadline next summer. Cubs can get another great prospect from the Mets at the deadline for Javi. <laughs> no, uh, I, I think I think that all rings very true, and I think very much like Javi Baez, the thing that you like about a guy like Wisdom is that he's not one dimensional. I think you had in your piece, uh, Patrick, there the, the quote from David Ross about that that. You know, he does do the other things well, and that creates, you know, a considerably higher floor than you're used to seeing from like a hulking slugger, a huge strikeout guy. Like, yeah, Wisdom has that, but, you know, his profile is just so interesting to me, too, because his huge strikeout rate is almost entirely based on a very specific hole at the top of the zone against fastballs. He has the lowest contact rate in the zone in baseball. And otherwise, he has excellent plate discipline. Like, he's not up there swinging at a ton of pitches out of the zone. Like, he has really good pitch recognition. He knows the strike zone. It's just that his swing is designed in such a way that, like, you know, a well-executed fastball in the upper third is probably going to get by him. Maybe he closes a bit of that in the future. Uh, Maybe not. But, man, you know what crazy thing it got me thinking about? And if someone wants to take this idea, if someone's listening to this, they want to take this and run with this and do, I don't even know what the research would look like. I might be crazy, but that's why we have the podcast. I'm allowed to say crazy things and it's not really there forever because it's just like the, you know, it's just the four of us talking. (laughs) Isn't it possible if you were a guy who could absolutely obliterate consistently pitches in the middle third and bottom third, okay? Especially fastballs. You just, you never miss. You know, the guy makes a mistake there, you crush it, okay? In the upper third, you never hit it. You just, you constantly miss. But then above the strike zone, you lay off. You never swing, okay? So you've got great plate discipline. You just can't hit that upper third. Isn't it possible that your swing and miss in the upper third is actually just bait? It's just bait because unless a pitcher does execute, which they don't every time, okay? If they go above the zone, he takes it. No problem. If he goes, if they go a little bit below the the upper third, boom, dong city. (laughs) I'm just saying, it's almost like his scouting report is making it so pitchers are like, I can get this guy. I just have to throw it here. Ah, shit. I was a little too low. And then your next turn in because he just sent one 460 feet out. I don't know. It's it's almost, I've never studied a guy with that 
level of extreme in terms of like good discipline, but gaping hole at the top of the zone and then just hammer city everywhere else. It's fascinating. I think, I don't know. It may play. (laughs) Are you you suggesting that he's, he's by swinging and missing. He knows he's baiting pitchers into, into going. No, not like a conscious. No, 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 no. I'm saying that his, his naturally occurring profile has, has turned into bait because it's like, Every single pitcher knows how to beat him. Like it took two weeks and everyone knew exactly how to beat him. And yet he's still striking out just as much and still hammering the ball just as much. And like, like I said, it's rare that you have that combination of enough discipline for this to work. Because if you don't have enough quality plate discipline, the strikeout rate is going to continue to climb because pitchers can get you to extend more and more and more and more. So we build off of it. So just. Like going off last podcast when we talked about, I'm not sure if Patrick was still around for this, but we just talked about the unique platoons that the the Giants use and how it's about where pitchers are located more than like lefty righty matchups. That right there is a perfect situation. Oh, yeah. You you have a guy like that can execute that. Can't locate, execute well, that. Yeah. If, if the guy can execute it, wisdom sits and Nico and Matt, Nico plays third and and whatever you know whatever. I'm just throwing throwing it out there you you whoever you sign that can hit the high fastball uh is at third or someone else is at third and that person that usually sits is in the lineup that can hit the fa- high fastball and wisdom plays against most other pitchers because it's i mean as much as that's become the game high fastball and chase breaking ball like it's pr- still hard to execute that high fastball it's not like everybody well, think about it yeah well think about we used, we used to talk about you darvish who's like one of the best pitchers in the game and it was an issue for him that like the best version of his fastballs were always down. Like that was just where he felt the best executing. He felt he could do the most. And whenever he, you, you would look at his makeup and you're like, Oh man, if he could just locate at the top of zone, he would own guys. Well, that just wasn't his game. He just wasn't able to do that that well. And so you might, I, I love it. I love this conversation. You might see a matchup like that and you're like, ah, you know, wisdom against a great fastball pitcher. I don't know if that's a good matchup. Ah, but his better work is down. His misses are down, you know, whatever it might be. Um, Maybe it's a guy who can locate well at the top of the zone, but he has just a sort of higher rate of misses down. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Just saying. There's there's a little something here. (laughs) You're welcome, Cubs. You're welcome. You take that, you run with it. You plug it into Ivy. You do what you needed to do. And, uh, you know, Wisdom will be the first 400 strikeout, 100 homer guy next year because they will just perfect this thing. He's either going to strike out or he's going to homer. Done. Done deal. <laughs> our our uh, offense else? broke. Brett fixed yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> our offense That's broke. That's Theo, Theo somewhere. So we found some guy to break it even more. And we broke it so bad that suddenly it worked again. It's great. Uh, all right. Good good talk, gentlemen. Um, I give this one two solid thumbs down. <laughs> which, of course, is a good thing. Uh, thank you, folks, for listening. This is On to Waveland. It's the Cubs podcast here at The Athletic. I am Brett Taylor. You can catch my stuff at Bleacher Nation. That's Sahadev Sharma and Patrick Mooney. Get their stuff at The Athletic. Uh, rate and review. Give us the thumbs up in the, the reviews. Okay, The thumbs down thing doesn't work if you do it there. That actually hurts us. So don't, don't do that. Unless you want to boo us, in which case we'll get on the next episode uh, later this week and we'll boo you right back. And we'll, I'll kick off the episode with just lusty boos. So thank you very much. We'll talk to you soon. Take care. Goodbye.